Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. That was loud. Yeah, it, it actually reverberated in uh, on my end, but it, it was good. I appreciate uh, I appreciate hearing it nice, nice and loud and clear. Hey, 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 how you hey. doing? Hey, very enthusiastic apparently. Yeah. Um, I had a, I had a moment earlier yeah. and a, a very, very, uh, antsy morning. And at one point I just started kind of not full on running, but just kind of lightly jogging back and forth between my front door and the outside okay. wall. I'm not sure how far that is. I've, I've never taken the, the time to measure it, but you know, I mean, just judging by the fact that we have 12 and a foot tall snows, I'd probably say it's probably at least 50 okay. feet across at least 50 feet across just back and forth a few yeah. times and one on, on one particular lap i um i asked ellen if she knew how far it was and she just said not far enough because <laughs> <laughs> you got you gotta get all that energy out yeah you know uh with with my day job um my non my non-film mm-hmm. job i uh i get a free membership to a gym mm-hmm mm-hmm it has been f- over four months. I-, I haven't used it, and I really should. But like, well, I, I mean, find myself. I know this is always the excuse of like I'm too busy, but like, I'm actually really busy. Like we that, we're that doing true. a lot. I can vouch. <laughs> um, but I mean, given the ongoing everything, I, I think you can be excused for not uh, rushing to the gym. Yeah. Or, you know, American to the gym. <laughs> Soon to be Russian to gym, eh? That, that, you know, that is still one of my favorite um, uh, Animaniacs jokes. Uh, like, they go to Russia and there's a thing and somebody's like, stop running! And he goes, why? Everyone else is rushing around here. And I just thought it was like, <laughs> this is like, you know, 14-year-old me. And I was like, that is the height of comedy. Like, that is the best joke that I've was. ever heard. And to this day, that's you know, 25 years later, I'm like, that's actually still a really clever joke. That was an excellent <laughs> joke. I remember that episode, and uh, I also appreciated yeah. that. I mean, 
puns are, are fantastic. I, they they really truly are. are. They uh, for a while they were considered uh, the the royalty of comedy. That was you know there was entire comedy sets that were just yeah. I mean most vaudeville acts were just visual puns, and people fucking ate that shit up. And it's good. Yeah. I'm all for it. Like bring back pun humor. You know, like I think we went too far with like the Gallagher's and the carrot tops. You know, and then we we just gotta like take a look mm, at what mm-hmm, they're doing mm-hmm. and then just bring it down like one step. Just be like, okay, so yeah. so what you're doing is great. Like you're there, but just let's just let's just move all the props aside and now just just tell your jokes. I saw a a social post today uh, acknowledging and appreciating the teams uh, at at game studios who are uh, responsible for the literally just hundreds of pun-themed quest names out there in video games. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, big uh, big tip of the imaginary hat to to those fine folks. Right. Out there there doing the large work. (laughs) Yeah, I you know, uh yeah, I, I gotta give it to that. Speaking of video games, um, we're gonna jump right into this episode. Uh so that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. And I'm Humanity's Last Hope. <laughs> oh, we're fucked. Um <laughs> Is it just me? Or yes. is the plot of this movie the same plot of Destiny? <laughs> So think of it this way. Okay, so the movie we're talking about is Shanghai Fortress, 2019 Chinese uh, movie. It's available on Netflix uh, currently. So the plot of Shanghai Fortress is a mysterious energy source comes and and is found and brought to Earth and ushers in okay. a new wave uh, for humanity. Uh, you know, renewable okay. energy sources, uh, powering everything. We're completely unreliant on any sort of Earth-harming technology, and it's ushered in a, a, a beautiful place. Then the, the uh, magic energy force gets destroyed, removed, or whatever, and an invading alien force coming to basically take back the power that was taken from them, this power source, then invades okay. Earth, and now we have to become somewhat superpowered. Although these people themselves aren't superpowered, they need to be more superpowered and shoot a giant blasting laser beam up to destroy the alien force. Now you're probably like, I mean, this okay. is kind of a stretch. Okay. Listen, it is, uh, but the plot of Destiny is. A gigantic magic force <laughs> comes to Earth, <laughs> ushers in a brand new age of humanity of uh, wonderful technology and self-sufficiency and, and peace, and then it just sort of stops working uh, and goes away, and an alien force that used to have this magic force now comes to Earth to be like, yo, fuckers, give us our shit back, and then they attack Earth, and now we have to constantly defend ourselves from four armed aliens. That's, Mm. that's the Mm. plot of destiny. That's the plot of Shanghai fortress. We're just missing, uh, immortal space zombies. But the thing is, Michael in Shanghai fortress, uh, humanity is largely gathered into a a single city in order to, uh, be, be defensible. Oh, kind of a last bastion of, of humanity. That that doesn't sound no, like anything you described. It's not destiny. like a last city for humanity. It's uh, <laughs> a tower, if you will. Uh, Something of a command center, but in the 
more of a right, tower. in the eastern hemisphere, <laughs> somewhere in the land mass of Asia. Uh, land mass of Asia. It it's not really the same when you break it down like that. I guess no. no. So no, but <laughs> you know, it's it's not unfair. Um, I I went more along the lines of uh, it was very much a. Um, a modernized take on Independence Day, which is weird to say that it's a modernized intense Independence Day. Yeah, well, because like know. that movie did also come out like was thirty like, years ago. Was like thirty years ago. Let's let's be real at this point. <laughs> oh God, I hate yeah. it. I hate it. It definitely. Uh, this definitely was. It definitely was Independence Day. Like there was a lot of aspects to it, but it's Independence Day if you took out the like. Let's science our way to an answer and just just yeah. do the fight the the sky laser battles. Like that oh was God, this yeah. movie. They were just like, all right, let's remove all the science part of it. Let's add in more love and friendship and uh shoot more aliens. And that's it. Take out take out gold uh Goldberg Goldblum. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, wow. I was I was I was starting to say Goldblum and Firestein. Oh, yeah. And then my brain mixed them together and was going to say Goldstein. And I'm like, I know that's right. It's got to be in it. <laughs> and then I just got all jumbled up. Uh, <laughs> take out uh, Jeff Goldblum and Javi Firestein and replace them with a giant uh, planetary defense cannon. And, and boom, done. Independence. That's the movie right there. I Listen, I love a planetary defense cannon. I do. Yeah. Speaking of video games, I mean, basically the entire plot of uh, Quake 2 uh, revolved around like you were you're like taking the fight to the enemy homeworld, sure. but they had this giant planetary defense cannon that shot down all your boys, <laughs> My and boys. you had to go and uh, disable the cannon, uh, rescue as many of the, the, the Marines as possible along the way, which, spoiler, most uh, of Wow. Uh, I know, Jeez. I know. Spoiling like a 40-year-old game. <laughs> Can't have anything around here. <laughs> and, uh, well, not really 40. That's probably closer to 32 as well. Uh, but then, you know, take out the, the bad guys, take out the, the cannon so you can, you know, win the day uh so it's kind of the the opposite you know really it's 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 this movie but from the the aliens perspective (laughs) (laughs) we're just trying to get some energy and all these little ants keep throwing guns at us what the hell man i don't understand so before we get uh, too deep into, well, before we get at all into uh, a rundown of the, the plot of the movie Shanghai Fortress, which is our, our, our pick this week, in case you hadn't, uh, in case you got this far without right. realizing, um, we are still in, in Alien Invasion Month, uh, and we're, we're bringing it over to China this week, uh, specifically the city of Shanghai, uh, as the the alien invaders are attacking the the last like true stronghold not the not the last city and not the last people but the last like holdout city stronghold that is defensible uh, from the aliens in, in Shanghai Fortress. Now I need to ask you, Michael. Do you know was this based on a comic or like a, an anime or uh, like any other like visual? Pro- yeah, uh, it, it was. Uh, it was in fact actually. Uh, um, uh, based off of a a book, well, a, a like kind of a graphic, not manga, like more graphic novel, but more book. Uh, sure, thing. sure. But it, uh, to my yeah. knowledge, not anime. Uh, to my knowledge, okay. that is the the reason that I ask is I feel like so much uh, sci fi from from Southeast Asia, specifically sci fi, 
from Southeast Asia uh, tends to look visually look like very, very polished and almost cartoonish in the action, se- action sequences. Now, not cartoonish as in like, these are shitty effects, but like cartoonish as in like, they really like leaned into like polished and like heavy lighting effects and stuff like that. And it looks cool. It's, you know, it's obviously not, you know, practical effects. Right. Um, but and I, I wonder how much of that is, uh, like culturally, like a, a like a bleed through from like the other visual mediums uh, from that area. I think like anime and manga and uh, other art styles in general. Like how much of that influence is actually coming through? In this? I I think uh, definitely, but I think that's more of a uh, a more recent thing in in specifically Asian film. Um, you know, so as okay. as a really great example, uh, if we look at a lot of like the Asian uh, epics of things like, I mean, yeah, some of them are like Kung Fu films or even some Japanese films. You know, if you look like before the 2000s, like we're talking 90s and before, a lot was Mm -hmm. done with innuendo and um, practical effects. It's like after 2000, everything got very, very animated and very cartoony and not even just cartoony, but every CGI was relied on so heavily. Um, You know, I mean, we look at, uh, what what was the monster movie we did? uh, that Chinese uh, monster movie, Monster Catcher, I think, or something like that. Oh my I know. god! It was, uh, it was. I thought it was like Monster, monster Hunter. Monster Hunter. That, yeah, it, I think it was called Monster Hunt. The... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there, so there's a sequel to that. But there's a lot of those movies that rely on that sort of CG element to play in those sort of characters. You know, we we look at this. This film. I mean, you know, fifty percent of this movie was definitely animated in and green screen. This was a $64 million budget movie. This was supposed to be a blockbuster film. Now, uh, mind you, this film happened in late 2019. Uh, and if we recall mm-hmm. late 2019, so this this film came out in August of 2019 in China. Um, and about two months later, give or take, two, two to four months later, COVID hit China. So this mm-hmm. definitely should have had time to kind of build up and and get a, a good audience but it only did 16 million worldwide uh so this is definitely considered a flop uh in in that yeah. sense um but there there is this weird trend where everything like um uh, uh Jackie Chan did a movie only a few years ago and actually this film has a tie to Jackie Chan as well um but it did did a, a movie uh called like uh Blood Steel or something like that where it was another alien invasion film and that was another one where it was all Everything was very, you know, all of the aliens were CGI robot type people and most of the film was shot in front of green screen. And there's been so much of that, I feel like, in 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 Western culture. I mean, look at the Russian film Guardians that we did. That was yeah. like, I don't think, I think there was like four real people in that whole movie and most of it was, <laughs> you know, like everyone else was a CGI person and for green screen work. Like it was, it was very, yeah. Yeah. not a lot of it was that. And I think it comes down to it's, it's maybe it's cheaper. I'm not sure. Maybe it's cheaper for them. Certainly not cheaper. We're here. Um, but I know that it's more efficient mm-hmm. is it's a lot more control, especially with sets. Uh, it's a lot yeah. easier to control an animated set than it is to, you know, control a, a, a live set where you're shooting in a cityscape and you have to worry about cars and pedestrians and stuff like that. When you can just throw someone in a studio and green screen it and then the streets, whatever you want it to be and done and done. 
Um, so I yep. get it, uh, but yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird trend. Uh, and I do want to crack myself. This was at just a novel. It was a sci-fi novel, um, actually, okay. called, uh, tr- which translates roughly to uh, "Once Upon a Time in Shanghai," and was set in oh, the year twenty twenty four. Oh god! Yeah. So we got two years until uh, until this is a thing. So. <laughs> Two years to discover and completely revolutionize our lives with this uh, marvelous new energy source from space before the aliens come. Uh, And, uh, okay, well, you know what, my my other big point we can can address as we get into. So, Michael, why don't you tell us a little bit about Shanghai Shanghai Fortress? Fortress. So, uh, this movie uh, is, so the book was originally set in 2024. This film, however, is set in 2035. So, uh... Much more realistic. So the IMDb description for this is, in 2035, aliens have wiped out megacities around the globe to get their main source of energy, the the Zhen Tang is what it's called. Uh, Will Shanghai be able to defend itself and maybe even launch a counterattack? So basically what it is is we have this energy source and we're harvesting it and basically using it to power all of our cities. The aliens come to take it, basically, because it's a great energy source, and they just, Mm -hmm. Independence Day style, just, you know, mothership bomb onto all of these cities and just completely annihilate them. Uh, The one that happens shortly before this uh, film begins, or as this film begins, is New Delhi, uh, is completely wiped out. So New York is gone. Um, I think they said L.A. I think they said London. Um, And there's, like, one other city and then New Delhi. And Shanghai is the last city left, and there is a... Um, you know, force field style, think like Wakanda style globe around this city that's that's a force field that is protecting. Now, every so often, uh, little alien drones, which are four-armed robots, I mean, they're robots. As far, Seemingly, We never actually yeah. see any sort of corporeal aliens. We only ever see mm-hmm, mm-hmm. giant ship and robot drones. Um, every so often, they sort of sneak in and they have this elite force of uh, drone pilots who basically go through and they they shoot down you know enemy uh, these drones which come in as giant balls and uh, they can unfurl themselves. They're basically like uh, mm-hmm. um, what was that that game Bakugan the one with the balls oh, or whatever yeah. it was where you roll the ball and then yep. it explodes into a thing. That's what it was. It was that. Uh, yeah, and so here's here's one of the things that I, I find particularly interesting about this film. Uh, but also about the idea of, of drone warfare to begin with. Um, you've you've talked before about how uh, much of a cop out you think the the whole mothership uh, plot line is. Oh, we take out the mothership, like all the uh, you know all the drones just die and blah blah blah. But the thing is, drone warfare is essentially mothership warfare. Sure, because all you you don't have to kill a single human being. In a drone war, all you have to do is manage to take out the power or enough of the facility from where the drones are, you know, controlled from, and boom, drone's gone. That's so mothership. I actually, I actually do. I, I am okay with this version of it because the the drones themselves, kind of. So I, I am okay with this because I feel like. If you killed it, the assumption is, is that on the giant mother ship, there Mm -hmm. are operators operating Mm -hmm. the drones, right? So either, and we don't get any explanation to this, right? So we, we don't really know. So there, there's one of two things. So the, the assumption is that on the mother ship, there are, 
you know, physical being pilots sitting there remotely uh, piloting these four-armed robots, right? So if you Mm -hmm. shoot down the mothership, all the robots stop working because it's no different than if I just set my controller down while I'm playing a video game, right? My character stops moving because of that. My issue with Independence Day is that the implication was that the, uh, the ship... Um, was powering or supplying wirelessly power to the spaceships. But the problem is inside the spaceships, we're, we're, living, be- we're living beings, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even if you kill the mothership, all of the living beings are still, I mean, yes, they're crashing into Earth, you know, and so they may die from the crash, but like all of those living being aliens are still inside the ship. They're still there. Now you just have an army of, you know, pissed off aliens on Earth. Um, and, and so there's that, which, by the way, they're telepathic and can mostly uh, stop bullets. This is Independence Day, by the way. Yeah. yeah. So the the problem, I, I'm okay with this one because, again, it's the you you kill you kill the controller operator, right? I don't buy the I'm supplying power wirelessly thing. I know that kind of was like the whole deal with the thing in Independence Day, where it's like oh, we had this spaceship for, you know, 40 years and we we didn't know what to do with it, but all of a sudden the one came back and it just sort of turned on. And I get I get why that was the case and I, I can buy into it, but, like, at the end of the day, I don't know. I feel like they should be independently powered. I feel like that's really inefficient, but maybe it's more efficient than having to power a million I mean, little ships. You just power one big ship and then it remotely, you know, it's a battery to remotely power all the little ships i just uh, i have a hard time with it i think you can come back and talk to us when you've uh performed admirably in space battles with your massive fleet of uh remotely operated if that is a challenge caleb (laughs) challenge fucking accepted challenge so here's the thing like I feel like most of the time when there's a, like a mothership storyline, they they try to write it off as like, oh, it's a hive mind. You kill the brain, you kill the the, mm-hmm. the drones, mm-hmm. as in like the the drone the workers. Um, and I, I think the approach of like it being remotely powered is somewhat more interesting than that because that means that two scenarios could happen: like the ships die and crash, and all the aliens inside die. Problem solved. Or some of them survive and there's a little bit of cleanup that has to happen. And, you know, Will Smith gets to walk around to each individual ship and welcome them to <laughs> earth. <laughs> welcome to uh, earth. Welcome uh, to uh, earth. Welcome. <laughs> I would, that's what Independence so, Day 2 should have been. I'm just putting it right should there. should have been. It's just him just on cleanup Two hours duty. of him punching aliens coming out of crashed ships. I would have watched that movie five times over instead of the garbage of Independence Day resurgence that we got. And then, then someone else uh, tries to say, it. he's like, hey, that's What's my line. line. It is in my military <laughs> contract. <laughs> so Shanghai Fortress is essentially mothership versus mothership yeah. in uh, like we, we have two remotely operated forces. Uh, so, I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of Ender's Game, yeah. a little bit of Independence Day. You could make a stretch to say there's a little bit of... Uh, uh, not, well, I, I don't, uh, okay. Let me, let me 
let me clarify to say that I'm not implying uh, influence buying, but you, know, you can make and try to say there's a, a little bit of overlap with uh, Ernie Klein's uh, Armada, which wasn't very good, by the oh, way. I don't think I saw that. Yeah. No, I don't think it's it's come out in a movie. It was it was a novel. Same guy that wrote uh, Ready Player One. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, basically yeah. like the like the aggressively overused, overzealous uh, '80s pop culture references mm. from Ready Player One, amped up even more <laughs> into a like Ender's Game in type space. story. In space, in <laughs> space. Uh, as a yeah, there, there was a little bit of that. Yeah, I, you know, so the other thing about this movie too is it, this is another one of those 50-50 movies. Look, I, I tweeted this uh, last week. It'll be last week for you guys when when you're listening to this episode, where I wanted mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. rom coms in space. Right? I wanted more sci fi yes. rom coms. This mm-hmm, movie mm-hmm. has a weirdly unnecessary romance lo- uh, like angle in it, and I want yes. to address it because. It's not that it. It's not that I'm like it has no business being in this movie. It's that they leave out, of, like they normalize a really fucking weird point. So the point is, is that this young uh, uh, person, Jang Yang, is you know he's he's a young new recruit. And, uh, you know, him and him and a couple of his friends, they're top of their class and they're going to be the only ones that can pilot this experimental drone, which they actually have to. It's not a drone. It's actually a ship they have to get into. And they're they're basically Mm -hmm. training to to uh, fly this special ship on a very special mission. And their direct report is uh, played by Shuchi, uh, who love. Uh, she's been in amazing movies. Um, she was in uh, for for most American audiences. She was in uh, Transporter, uh, two. Okay. Um, but she was also. I mean, she's been in fantastic movies. She was in uh, Journey to the West. Um, she was in uh, The Island. Uh, Journey to the West, by the way, great great movie. Um, she was in My Best Friend's Wedding, not the American one, a different one, but <laughs> very similar plot. Um, but she was actually in a Jackie Chan movie, and this is where this uh, comes into play. She was in a Jackie Chan okay. romance comedy called Gorgeous. Now, I love this movie. Uh, it's very problematic, though. But let me tell you the story, and then I'm going to tell you okay. why it's problematic. So, okay, a girl, Shuchi, her, uh, her character's name is Boo, right? Um, uh, so mm-hmm. Boo is just hanging out, and you know she she lives in a very small village. Um, it, you know, somewhere in China and she, you know, she's just kind of, Oh, I, I just want to fall in love, but I want to fall in love. You know, I want the big romance, blah, blah, blah. And she finds a bottle with a message in it. Right. And the message says like, oh. um, you know, it has a very romantic, like, I love you. I miss you. Meet me in Hong Kong. And then, uh, uh, Jackie's, I think it's just Jackie. I forgot what his name is in the movie. I think it's Jackie cause it's normally is. And she thinks it's the, oh no, it says, uh, I love you, I miss you, uh, meet me in Hong Kong, love Albert. And it gives an address, right? I, I got it wrong. I got okay. it wrong. Let me, let me correct it. So it says, love Albert. Okay. And so she's like, okay. oh my God, like, this is so romantic. I want to go find this, but I know this isn't meant for me, right? It's, uh, it's not for her, but she thinks it's the most romantic gesture. And she goes to Hong Kong. And uh, she ends up finding Albert, how uh, he leaves his address. And she meets Albert, and Albert is played um, none other than by Tony Lung, 
who was in Shang Chi. Ah. He was in uh, uh, the movie we just covered, um, not that long, Hero. Um, and he's yeah, great. Yeah. However, Elbert is a little bit of a uh, of a hopeless romantic, but Elbert is also very gay. And she finds this out, and she's like, "Womp!" And he's like, "You know this? You know she's like, what, whatever. You're this young girl, and you know she's like 19, right? She's she's a young girl." And he's like, uh, you know, maybe 20, maybe 20 at best. But she's like, they keep referring to her as like a kid. They're like, oh, you're just a young kid. Like, you're just a kid. So uh, Albert's like, why don't you stay with me in Hong Kong? Like, we can hang out. And she eventually ends up meeting Jackie Chan, who is this very rich CEO. And it's like this chance meeting and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, the movie progresses. They fall in love and it becomes a thing. But I need to point something out. There okay. is uh, a 23-year gap in their age. Jackie Chan, uh, as of today, is 67 years old, and Shu Chi okay. is 45. They are 22 years apart in age, 22 okay. years apart in age. So when this movie happened, she was 20, and Jackie was like 45. Like, yeah, this is, that's problematic. In the movie, it's also established that he is like 40 something. Like he isn't, cause they even say like, you've been, how, why haven't you been married yet? Like you're, you're an older, you're an older man. You have this, you know, successful company that you've run for 20 plus years. And it's also established that she's like 19. So like, that's problematic, right? In, in in our culture, you know, let's say in Western culture, that's problematic. Sure. Maybe sure. In, in, in Eastern culture, it's not, but we know that that's not the case as much anymore. Now, mind you, this movie came out in the 90s. Now I want to talk about Shanghai Fortress. So <laughs> unrelated, but in Shanghai Fortress, uh, we have uh, 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 Jiang Yang, right? Um, who, uh, by the way, also uh, there is a there is a 16-year gap between uh, Jiang Yang and Shu Qi, with Shu Qi being the older uh, one in this in this mm -hmm. instance. Um, yeah, I mean Han Lu, who plays Jiang Yang, like looks incredibly mm -hmm. young. Looks like high school age. Oh, yeah. through most of this movie, and largely that's due to the haircut they give him because. Towards the end, they give him a much more like adult haircut and like oh, but it's like, full on like teen is, idol, like a, you yeah. know, like K-pop. I get you. Know, this is China, so not K-pop, but you know what I mean, like K-pop. Like I mean, it's right yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And he's he's a young guy, and like he is just being recruited. So he gets he goes in, he volunteers uh, to join the the space force or whatever the the Shanghai space force. And his the person that he meets for the very first time is Shu Qi, who will be his commanding officer uh, down the line. Um, her her name is Lin Lan. Um, so he sees her that one time, and then he doesn't like they don't become friends or anything. She's his commanding officer, and he doesn't like we we get the sense, and they kind of may bring it up in the movie that they don't really ever talk to each other all that often, mm -mm. aside from like. You did good on your battle report, you know, report, report back to your barracks. Okay, bye. That's it. Like she is his com like commanding, commanding officer, not even like his direct report. Like she is his commanding officer, you know, like above. Yeah. And he is madly in love with her, but they play this romance throughout the entire movie as if it's like this 
unrequited love between them. But like, there is a moment where like towards the end where he gives her, like he has this gift that he wants to give her and he gives it to her and she's like, cool, thanks. All right, see you later, man. And like, and she just kind of fucks off. And then eventually she, she, you know, spoiler, she goes off and dies and he goes off to to live. And he just is like pining after her and, and everyone's like, why don't you go talk to her? Why don't you talk to her for once? You never talk to her. And it's like, wait a minute. Why should I why should I care about this romance? <laughs> you don't even fucking talk to her. Like you guys aren't this isn't no. like a a thing. Like this isn't the typical rom-com where they're like best friends and the one best friend's manly in love with the other one and the other one just doesn't quite know it yet. They just literally don't fucking talk to each other. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. <laughs> but but then also at the very end they they like have some flashback sequences that are meant to imply that maybe she did love him all along. And like, okay, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> we don't know because you only had one fucking scene together. The whole movie, two scenes. There are only two scenes of them together. One is them in the noodle restaurant and the other is them in the elevator. They are never in the same scene together for the whole, for the rest yeah. of the whole movie too. This is a long ass movie too. This is like two ten, right? Like this is a long movie. Yeah, it was one hour yeah. forty seven minutes. It definitely felt like two hours. It felt yeah. longer, yes. Um, and so, here, here's some other nits that I have. So, some of the, all right, listen. If Uncle Caleb's gonna break it down for you guys, have a <laughs> Uncle, seat. Uncle, Uncle Caleb has some has some has some <laughs> questions. Uh, so first of all, we've we've established that this is essentially like an Independence Day style movie, and I I do kind of love that. You know, when a a film is is made and set in a country and there's a big, like, disaster from the stars sort of thing, like an alien invasion and humanity's last hope, it's always some major city in that country. And I'm like, you know, all right, national pride, let's do this. Um, I actually almost think that, like, it would be more believable for something like this to to happen in China than in the U.S. Because in the U.S., like... Listen, the aliens have have just come sometime within. Like we we have to imagine it's been a fairly uh, rapid series of events that the other cities around the world have been destroyed, and you know humanity's last hope it lies in Shanghai, uh, China's largest sure. city. Uh, gorgeous, yeah. by the way. Love yeah, the architecture. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, and we get we get so many aerial shots of the the Shanghai architecture, and I thought I mean all it. of Hong Kong, um, like that whole that whole bay yeah. like area is just beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, we we have to believe that this has happened fairly rapid fire because I don't think the aliens are like. Every year on this day, we shall destroy another city until you give us the energy. <laughs> you know, and I, I doubt something like that's happened. I don't think this is a long, drawn-out battle with the aliens. Uh, and so we have to figure that uh, the technology was was developed rapidly to both put this protective shield around the city uh, as, you know, well, I, should, I say both, to not only put this protective shield around the city, to develop these uh, drones that can be remotely piloted from the command center, as well as the uh, special prototype fighter jets that also can pilot a fleet of drones and train pilots who are able to to do that, because that, that's, that's a whole lot of multitasking, right. and to build a fucking planetary defense cannon all while the rest of the world is being destroyed one city at a time, a lot of things had to come together very quickly. 
you can't put up a house in less than two years here in the United States, like a, a single family right. home. Uh, that, I mean, I feel like it, a matter of months would be like an absolute all hands on deck. We've got unlimited budget. We're going to fucking you know, work day and night and get this single family home built. We're not building a planetary defense cannon, a fleet of drones, and a protective shield around like Chicago or New York or LA anytime soon. Because right. we can't we can't fucking get our shit together. Like we like someone would protest the zoning permits on the planetary defense cannon uh because you know it it's too noisy for their neighborhood or some <laughs> shit right. like that would happen. Yeah. So in order for this to work, it has to happen someplace like China where the uh the the they I mean very much leading the tech sector in the world and have the hardware production facilities and the government can and probably would say hey, like hey everyone we're doing a planetary defense cannon right now. and it was just like oh okay and there would be no like, like, well, we're going to debate it for two years. They're going to just be like, no, yeah, we've already started building it. Like, us telling you was really just a matter of being polite. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's happening. Like, we're just, we were just being nice by telling you. It's happening. Right. It's, in fact, it actually Most, started last week. mostly done. We just, <laughs> like, kind of forgot to tell you. But. Uh, yeah, by the way, planetary defense camp. Uh, there's aliens, I, I, space yeah. drones, half the world destroyed. Anyways, yes. uh, you got to move because your house is going to be a parking lot for the space cannon uh, operators. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I feel like we've we've probably talked about this before, but like I know I personally, uh, prior to doing this show, where we've like intentionally sought out film from around the globe, uh, I wasn't exposed to as much. Uh, we'll, we'll put it in quotes, foreign film uh, as. I would like to have, and certainly not as much as I have now. And I would say the the same is likely true of uh, your average American to the point where, like, it's easy to think of, like, you know, film is Hollywood and, like, foreign film is, like, artsy French love stories. Yeah. Uh, Everybody smokes uh, <laughs> cigarettes and stares yeah. longingly into the camera. And, then, like, and it I, is. It's you, all. You open like yourself up. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's, that's that's 100%. It. That was my point. Uh, but uh, like, you, like it, you open yourself up to the, the wild, wider world of, uh, of global cinema, and you get to see these little, little cultural things that, that come through in you know, a stock standard action film, but there are things about it that like, really like, could and probably would only happen in, in that locale, and I, I love it. That is to say that like, I think in... In a lot of ways, this is probably the most believable uh, alien invasion, uh, we win the war uh, stories that I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. You know, and to your point about the, about the like, being exposed, I, you know, I love, um, uh, I love foreign films. I love all sorts of foreign, I love watching movies from other countries um, because you do get a taste of of their culture, but not in the sense of, like, we're going to get a big taste of the culture, you know, but it's sort of that like underlying thing of culture, like American. I mean, mm -hmm. although it is very, it is very prevalent, but Americans love to feel like they are special, right? Americans mm -hmm. think every single person is special and everybody is going to be a rock star and a millionaire one day. Uh, and like they, they love the chosen one stories, right? Like mm -hmm. think of mm -hmm. like, 
like, you know, this is this is more recent, but like Jack Reacher, like only he, you know, he's the one dude and he just has that thing, you know. I know James mm-hmm. Bond is very UK, but it's very big in America too. James Bond is the same sort of idea. You know, we have tons of those sort of like that one, you know, it's normally a guy, but like that one guy who is just just big enough, he's the one who's going to solve the answer or like I'm the one that's going to be chosen and I'm going to make or break and everyone's going to blah, blah and applaud me. Whereas like Chinese films is not so much the case. And I would even argue that most, I've seen a lot of Chinese films and a lot of them are Kung Fu, a lot of them are action, but I've seen some non-action as well. You know, uh, I guess Jackie Chan Gorgeous, even though that is an action film, but uh, because it's Jackie Chan. But I've seen a lot Mm -hmm. of movies like that. I think the Chinese are very romantic because like Mm -hmm. this romance is shoehorned into this story but it's a main selling point of the like it is a main plot point of the movie even though it's yeah. very weird and sporadic and kind of vague it is a very major part of the movie and it's in fact mm-hmm. one of the major driving points of the main character and it that's what i think to me that's is that's really what i'm seeing and this is like a lot of a lot of chinese movies have that where it's like big action or there's this other crazy horror thing but also there's a romance to it i, <laughs> I don't think that that chinese film gets that sort of romance that they deserve i i feel like they're very romantic uh with their films and culture interesting uh one well for now one further nit on the the technology of the this movie i find it absolutely fascinating that their drone pilot stations have full on like stark tech uh you know holographic visual interfaces uh and at one point uh yi yi uh, walks in with presumably a, a phone or tablet of some sort that is just you know clear glass slab uh, with images projected on like all of this really cool future tech. And um, uh, Zhang Yang, uh, our, I guess, principal protagonist, the the closest thing to like the hero uh, that we have in this film because everyone kind of plays their part. And I I appreciate that. kind of going back to what you were just saying. Uh, He legit is like emailing his love letters to Lin Lan uh, from like a fucking Blackberry yeah. and like, it's wild to me. Like I get like, he's, he basically is a student who just joined up for the military, but like, is he like the last guy on, on earth that has one of these? And like, he's a holdout because he likes retro tech or like, is this a fairly common thing? And we just don't see as much of it because not like everyone's not whipping out their phone for everything in this. I want to know. Yeah. I'm never going to find the answer, I, I, I worry, but like I want to I, I thought that was really interesting, too, when he pulls out this. I mean, because it's like a satellite phone, right? Like it's this huge yeah, it's honker. clunky yeah. as hell. And it's and it's got like and this he, very like dot matrix screen. Like it's not even like <laughs> an, an LED or LCD screen. Like it is a fucking, you know, calculator screen, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really peculiar, too, I because it, it, that is another yeah. main point of the film. That's the thing. Uh, at the end, they go to this very big mission, and it's kind of like, uh, you're probably not coming back so like here's this time capsule put shit in it that you want people to remember you by and he puts his phone in it I don't really <laughs> it's like cool I guess like, but he sends one last I love you to Lin Lan and seals it up uh, you know expecting to be forever yeah. Which, by the way, she leaves him uh, on red, and that's brought up, and I actually laughed at that. Because yeah. he sounds like, hey, like I'll never get the moment to tell you this, but I love you. And it just says, like, message received. <laughs> and then she dies after, but yeah. I just think it's really funny that she was like, 
cool. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so not only, okay, so he's got this like clunker that's like straight out of like 2002 uh, at best. And he puts it in that, that box. Uh, it gets sealed away for five years. Uh, and like he, he takes it back out. Someone just happens to have like a charging base or something like that that they slap down on a counter, puts it on for like five seconds, and boom, it's ready to use. Like that is some crazy but shit I, I to think me. That's part of the alien have, energy thing. Yeah, we have this technology that looks like it's like already thirty years old in this movie, and then another five years of passive it just sitting in a box, and it's like, boop, yeah. Ready to go, like god damn. I mean, that's a Nokia cell phone for you. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's how those worked. You're you're not <laughs> wrong. You're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, I know the technology thing, there was a lot of it that I was like, yeah, totally. You know, but then there was some of it where I was like, this feels sort of like uh either retro analog, like purposely meant to look analog, but also like stylistically mm-hmm. analog, or like it was like an inconsistent tech thing, but I, 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 I kind of like your explanation where there was like they get this energy source and they're like, "Cool, we've got this great renewable energy." Fuck aliens! What do we do? And then they just have to like, <laughs> you know, slapdash throw together alien defense systems. And so some things are a little more high tech because they were like, "I don't know, this is this is the only thing that's going to make it work." But also, here's a bunch of levers you have to push for some reason, like a bunch of like switches, yeah. like old style 1950 switches you have to use. And it's like, okay, uh, sure, we'll accept yeah. that. Like, I don't know why, but <laughs> all right, you know, on top of your see-through screen. But also, I feel like see-through screens would be really bad for drone operation because like, what if somebody like walks behind the screen and it creates like a shadow and you're like, oh shit, and you like accidentally shoot at the shadow and then you blow up, you know, like... <laughs> walmart or something you know like that's i feel like that's just really that's just very careless oh that's a very good point <laughs> you know it's just it's it's bad it's it's not it's not the right forethought you need when thinking of that technology i clear screens to me it is just asking for trouble because like the get it looks really cool in a movie but get practicality for listen man if I if I am riding on a train, right? I'm in public and I pull up my phone and I happen to have something sexy on there, everyone's <laughs> going to see it on the there's no privacy. Everyone's going to see your that shit on true. the other side, you know? Like now magnify that embarrassment a hundredfold when it happens in the office. And by the office, I mean when you're controlling a drone fleet, <laughs> right? <laughs> attacking an enemy, like an alien invader. <laughs> like, oh, oh God, my, my browser is closed that window real quick. I, sorry, I wasn't ready. I, it was my day off. And, uh, <laughs> you forgot you synced your phone with your workstation. <laughs> right. and like, oh, oh, boy. Everything's just, like your text messages are showing up. Oh, right. it's a mess. <laughs> like that scene in Peacemaker <laughs> when she was going to. I didn't know my photos <laughs> synced to the cloud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what the fuck is the cloud? Uh, uh, I don't know. I was in cloud. prison when so, the cloud happened. I don't know what the fuck that means. Anyways. 45 minutes into this. We haven't really talked a lot about the plot. This is this is an action movie. If you've seen Aliens Invade and Humanity Goes to War and Humanity Wins, you've seen this movie to an extent. Um, 
the aliens, they're able to like they're able to to make cracks in the shield, which apparently they never fully take advantage of and just shoot the giant uh, mothership laser through the the cracks that they make. They just send you know their own drones. But anyway, they they make cracks. The you know the humans fight back with their drones and they repair the cracks and you know drone our mothership moves on. They come back, attack again, makes a bigger crack. Then they raise the giant uh, surface air cannon out of the out of the water. It's it's magnificent. It's this epic moment. They shoot and they they scare off one of the the motherships. But then another comes back and there's another attack and blah blah blah. And then like oh everyone almost dies, but you know they 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 manage to to save the day. Uh, so it's really in this like climactic final battle that. Some of the like the weirdest shit that I feel like deserves to be talked about happens. Uh, one of those things being there are really two named non-male characters in this movie, and that's Lin Lan and Li, uh, Lu Yi. Uh, so the commander, and then another member of the Gray Eagle Squadron uh, of these elite commanders. Both of those women sacrifice themselves valiantly for the cause. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that they weren't deserving of a noble death, but I have to wonder, why did they die at all? Yeah. I, you know, also, there was a really weird, there was also a very weird thing where about 30 minutes into the movie, they have a battle and then celebrate it like, like a big ending victory. It was really weird. Mm -hmm. So, like... I remember, like, I remember the scene, you know, they're, they like, they fight, you know, the aliens, a whole bunch of drones come in and they fight off all the drones and blah, blah, blah. And they kill them all and they seal the shield back up and the mothership fucks off and everyone's like, hooray, victory, yay. And they're all like, what are you going to do now that we've defeated them? And I was like, wait, what? Is that the end of the, I was really confused. And I looked and I was like, it's <laughs> only 35 minutes into the movie. Like, what the fuck is happening right this now? there's so much it was more so weird and uh yes but i agree so in the end of the movie uh you know people start dying off left and right um you know we do have a moment where the one like the one guy's like you know no leave me uh just go like uh, i'll hold it down I'll hold down the place and die so you guys can escape whatever and we have that sort of moment but like it's his a, moment yeah, gets a so whole production and everyone else is kind of like hey all right uh you go be the hero and uh, all right, I'll, I'll see you later. Goodbye. Yeah. And then you just uh, know that they die. <laughs> There's no like fanfare for it. Uh, Pen, Pen Hentian yep. uh, is like inexplicably. So the, the alien drones break through into the command center, which going back to the very beginning of this conversation is exactly why drone warfare is tenuous. Right. Uh, not saying it's not, you know, in so many ways better than throwing actual living bodies uh, uh, into the, the, the pit, but uh, it, tenuous nonetheless. Anyway, they get in, there's a, a, you know, a last stand to try to defeat them. And uh, one of them breaks in and uh, Pan like tries to, to hold them off and he gets badly hurt uh, uh, so understanding here, like he would probably die anyway. Sure. Okay. I can accept that. Why did he need to self-destruct the command? Center? I don't, that was another one. I don't understand. He, he, he killed a bunch more people. He, he killed so many more people. And like, they already got it. Like the thing is, is like, he was doing it to stop them from getting in and shutting down the shield. But the alien shuts down the shield and then he self-destructs it. So like he knows it's already happened 
and he still and mm-hmm. and the other thing about this self-destruct is like he pulls the the lever thing and it's like command center self-destruct count counting down and he's like go get out of here and they're like okay and they turn around and start running and the fucking thing blows up like four seconds later like the countdown on this was yeah. like maybe 10 seconds and this is a huge com- like even if you were in the middle of this thing like dead in the middle of it you would have never gotten free of this explosion uh by the time mm-hmm. he started it the, oh, the yeah. sound of saying like hi please evacuate we're self-destructing it was like oh shit you would start running and it would just explode and you would die Yep, it was it was pretty yep, wild. Yep. Yeah, I so that I'm was like, his, yeah a heroic moment, but I still don't understand why they blew it up. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Like him him dying in like a, a last siege of the command center. I'm like, okay, sure, like I, I I can accept that, but he didn't he didn't need to blow it up, and it didn't make much sense that he did. Uh, and then you have later on the uh, the cannon. Uh, it it makes a, a second attempt to to fire. So we got the, the the first one. It was successful. It scared off the mothership to come back. It shoots again, right like dead center, but somehow like doesn't have the same effect. So like, oh, we have to get it again. But like, of course, the drones come and attack it, and the guy who's controlling the gun says the guidance systems are damaged and he can't shoot. The gun still pointed right dead center at the ship. Like, all he has to do is, is, is just shoot. Yeah. And the other thing about the ship is it's fucking huge. Like, it is you, as you, big as Shanghai. Like... You would have to try to miss this I mean, it's a thing. fucking... I mean, it, think of the mothership in Independence Day. It is ginormous. Like, city... Like, mm-hmm, larger mm-hmm. than a city. Which leads to what we think is going to be a, uh, a fourth... Uh, a heroic sacrifice from a major character in this movie uh, as Zheng Yang uh, decides to, to tell um, Yang Jinan, the, the cam- cannon operator, uh, you know, switch to infrared guidance and focus on me. And he does a, you know, and in the words of my generation, uh, yours! yours. Yes. <laughs> it just flies straight at the, uh, the, the mothership laser. And somehow manages to get out in time uh, as the the cannon fire hits and destroys the fuck out of the mothership. Yeah. Uh, somehow, uh, Zhang Yang survives uh, because we see his his wrap up five years later with his better haircut and him seeing that his uh, unrequited love left him under. Yeah, I, the other thing. So one. That was really confusing, too, is because there's two of them. There's two guys left, right? Everybody else is dead. There's mm-hmm. two of the special AV-80 or whatever the ship is called, this specialized ship that is going to do a thing. I don't really know. They didn't really – they say, like, they're the it's, only ones who know how those, to do this ship, and it doesn't but, do anything. The whole point of those ships is those ships are, like – mobile remote drone pilot station. So those harnesses that they were the chair set up so they were sitting in in the command center, basically the A28, I think it was yeah. called, uh, is a, a a mobile version of that. So like while they're flying and actually fighting in the battle, they're also controlling the drone squadrons around oh. them. That I thought was pretty clever. Unnecessary, yeah. incredibly unnecessary because then it just 
leads to more unnecessary deaths, but very, very clever. clever reducing. I mean, it's all really, it really, when it comes down to it, the idea is just to reduce payroll, right? It's just the mm-hmm. less people we have working on the brother. That's, that's overhead. Yeah. So <laughs> it was really weird because there's the two guys and the one was like, focus on me. And Jin Yang's like, no, we got to do the thing. And the one goes up and he ends up getting bombarded by a bunch of aliens. And he's like, ah, fuck. And the other one's like, I'll do it. And he does the, you know, independence day thing straight up. And then the thing blows up. But the issue I have is then after that scene happens and it's the five years later, everybody is talking as though it has literally just happened. Now, they Mm -hmm. do say something to the effect of like, it's the five-year anniversary, we're, you know, honoring those who died and, and, you know, humanity's, uh, you know, saving and whatever, but everything, like people are still, like we go to the noodle shop, right? And the noodle shop guy is like cleaning up the mess of the alien invasion, has he been doing that for five years? <laughs> okay, okay. So let's let's get into that because uh, in another like seemingly entirely unnecessary uh, but massively heroic uh, set of deaths, um, the we we have the exposition earlier in the movie that the um, the the crystalline energy source uh, has been able to like kind of take hold and reproduce itself in this cavern under like deep deep under Shanghai and that's how they're getting all of the energy to power the shield and the cannon and whatnot uh, but we learn that it's not enough to keep the shield going if they continually like have a massive drain on it such as like having to rapidly repair it in these battles or uh, even more so if they use the cannon. The cannon massively depletes their energy sources. They know that. They go forward with with using it again, and, and like it, it makes everything critical. So they decide like we have to, um, we have to drop the shield and focus all the energy on the cannon. But then of course the cannon gets damaged, and now the aliens are running amok. They're they're all over Shanghai. And this is where Lin Lin uh, has her sacrificial moment where she does something like basically boost the the available power output of the uh, of the stuff to the point where like it's critical and yeah it somehow goes critical and essentially sinks like three quarters of shanghai and like the surrounding area like just massive sinkholes collapses buildings destroyed uh very epic sequence not sure what the point of it was but it, it happened five years later City's completely rebuilt. That's why I say this movie can only happen in China. Right. <laughs> five years later, five years later, we wouldn't we wouldn't have even finished clearing the rubble from like one and, district. And not even is it is it like completely rebuilt. Like it is beautifully rebuilt, mind you. Like mm-hmm. be- like like yes. we're talking the city is leveled. Like this isn't this isn't 9-11 style, like you know, two buildings and a couple of surrounding ones. Like we're talking like all of Manhattan like would have been destroyed mm-hmm. and they rebuilt it perfectly, pristinely, except for the noodle shop yeah. uh, in, in five years. So um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's some ingenuity and discipline right there. It really We'd still is, be applying for zoning a, in America. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I applied yeah, for like zoning. We, I don't I don't know. Get we'd, we'd be doing environmental impact yeah, studies. Right, for four years and debating those. Debating, <laughs> debating parking right. minimums. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's also, I mean, there was also a very nice moment, you know, where, uh, one of the, one of the other few times where, uh, Jin Yang is talking to, uh, uh, Lin Lan and she mentions, you know, like 
You know, she's like, oh, I remember being able to just look up at the sky and being able to see the stars, but now mm-hmm. I look up and all I can see is, is they call them the purple dahlias, right? Uh, and mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. The, the basically the things that, that's projecting the shield. And she's like, I hope yeah. that someday soon, you know, that, that, you know, people think back on looking up at the purple dahlias and it's only a faint memory. And I love that. I love that idea of like her saying like, yeah, I would love to, you know, just be able to look up and see the stars. But listen, motherfucker, the city yeah, you yeah. build after five years has so many lights and holographic signs so on the light. top of your building. You so will never see a star ever in the no. history of your life. They are gone for you. It is daytime 24-7 there. It was wild. But city of the future re- means holographic billboards. <laughs> I blame Blade uh, in, uh, in in uh, In Foundation, well, specifically in the novel, although they do touch a little bit on in, in the the show uh the entire city is covered with like steel domes but they do like a you know like the great hall and harry potter sort of effect where like they give it an artificial sky to make it appear as though you're outdoors even when you're not um i feel like i feel like uh the rebuilt shanghai could probably do something like yeah 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 i feel like they 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 have the the technology they they have the ingenuity and the energy source at that and clearly, the 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 wherewithal uh, to make it happen. I wonder what other cities look like five years. Right. Later. Well, I mean, at this point, it's been like six years since like New York fell. Like, what does New York look like yeah. this time around? Like, you know, in this new city, probably just probably just completely. It is just abandoned. yeah. They probably just it's just a it. hell. It, it's I am legend over there. <laughs> like in Shanghai, they're like, look at our beautiful city, and over you know, in New York, Will Smith is fighting off you know toxic vampires or something. I like to think that it's it's like the the U.S. was so destroyed, being like all of the the major cities being hit early on there and not having a fucking chance. That while the rest of the world was like preparing their defenses and like defeating the the enemies, like the U.S. actually has no fucking clue what <laughs> they just give up. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> fuck it. We're a, we're a hellscape the, now. The handful of remaining people have have gone full apocalypse and, and have no. <laughs> it's idea. just all escape from L.A. The whole the whole country yeah. is that. Me- meanwhile, like there are like presumably uh, American or at least uh, other European soldiers involved in because the the uh, defense organization is the United Nations uh, Defense Committee. I think yeah, they can call it the UNDC. UNDC. Uh, so the while all of the the action and the bulk of the fighting forces are in, in China. Uh, it is a, a globally coordinated counterattack, which I think is, is interesting because you know most of y'all most of y'all don't have much left to defend. Well, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, it's planetarily. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Shanghai Fortress. So, if I were to rewrite this movie, I think I I kind of like the romance part of it i but i think i would have i would have not put in the longing thing like i think i would have had them had a thing i think they would have just been a full-on like we got to keep our relationship on the down low because you're my commanding officer love and then because i feel like then her sacrifice to ensure his victory would have meant so much more i think i would have leaned into the the relationship more and had them just you know like he sees her for the first time on recruitment 
you know, we see that we do a training montage where it's clear there's chemistry between them. And I would just lean into it and make it a total thing, like a no unrequited. I would have made it like a full on, you know, they're a secret relationship and only his friends know because of their of their, you know, hierarchy, you know, uh, uh, corporate structure or military structure thing. Um, and I think I think that would have been more meaningful of like when she dies and him missing her in the end. Like, that's the only thing I think I would rewrite the rest of it. I fucking leave. It was good. See, I would scrap that romance entirely, but I would do it in favor of there was obviously chemistry and some sort of backstory between Lu Yi Yi and uh, Pen Hentian. Yeah. Uh, and I would have brought that to the forefront as the like doomed love story of this because you know, there's there's soldiers in in you know in, in the you know, humanity's last days sort of thing and like. They found each other and they, they they look out for each other and they have plans like he talks about like taking his wife out on you know on, on a motorcycle ride on a nice day and you see her looking longingly like I want to be that, that motorcycle ride like, so, like we we get enough to know that there was something between them even if it wasn't a full on uh, romance and I think that like that story could have been uh, more interesting and less felt less shoehorned felt like more natural like yeah. less forced uh, and. Also would have given, I think, more interesting opportunities to have fewer like heroic sacrifices and more like we have to work together to to like do this. Like this is bigger than take us. out any kind yeah. of like yeah, because yeah. they they didn't lean too heavily into like only one person can do this. But they, they like during their initial training as the the Gray Eagle Squadron, like they leaned on to like each person had like you know specialties like one was like the like super fast reflexes the other was really good at real-time data analysis and all this stuff like that uh and they kind of had this generic but, but jin yang is the the best of us all like okay cool like he could be top of your class he could even be like the leader of this but like that doesn't make him like the only one who can right. stop them and like he's not in the end like every single character has some part to play um but i think they could have leaned into that more uh, by like eliminating them one at a time, not yeah, by not doing yeah, it, it was it was kind of weird because he almost becomes the de facto hero of the mission by default because it's him mm-hmm. and the other because he's the only right one it's left. him and the other guy and the one they're both going after the thing right they're both on their way up but the <coughs> one guy gets hit by a, a swarm of aliens and dies and Jen Yang just happens to be not near that swarm and ends up making it mm-hmm. like it literally is by chance he ends up being the hero which again goes back you know even though that they said like you know and it's clear that he is the main protagonist just because we see him we see him somewhat more than the others not by much mind you it really isn't by much mm-hmm. um but that goes back to that sort of cultural thing where it isn't just one like every single like we have you know the the military general who was like uh the when when the command the second command center is being <coughs> attacked and they were like we'll come back and defend he's like no you stay the course and do what you're supposed to do. And the whole command center to like mm-hmm. all the generals and stuff dies. And he's like, no, the most important thing right now is to destroy the mothership. Don't come back and, and protect us. Like you'll, that's not your mission. And like, so he yeah. dies, Lin Lan, her whole thing about giving the, the energy cannon more extra boost than she died. Like everybody is special in the city. Like this is the most, like, this is a this is communism in full on. <laughs> like everybody mm-hmm. is equal, everybody plays a part. And again, it, you know, Zhen Yang is the hero by default because he's just just by chance he is the only one left. 
not because mm-hmm. he did anything different than anybody else or was better than anybody else. And, you know, she, uh, uh, Lin Lan even says, you know, to your point of like, everybody is really good, but if you had to say one was better, Jin Yang's best overall, but not by much. Like, not is not mm-hmm. like he's, you know, it's, it was wild. It was a wild sort of, uh, sort of like process. And I liked it, you know, I think, I think it's cool. I think it's cool the way they, they do that. So I, I would definitely keep that. So should you watch yeah. this movie? Uh, when it comes to alien invasion films, if that's your thing, if you like that sort of sci-fi, you know, laser alien action. Yeah. This is a cool movie. I actually really had fun mm-hmm. with this movie a lot. I think it's a, it's a good popcorn action flick. Um, yeah. Exactly. I think it, it, it was fun. It uh, had a, a reasonably predictable, but in like uh, reasonably predictable plotline, but did enough differently. And I, and I think so we've, we've hammered the point, but so much of that is the, the cultural uh, difference in the approach to the story writing. I think it's cool to see. And yeah, you know, I, I, I would recommend watching yeah. this. Um, uh, so there it is. So Shanghai Fortress is streaming available on Netflix in the United States. Um, and I'm sure other places, um, so if you are the type of person that listens to us first and then decides whether you're going to watch the movie, there it is. Go watch it. If you like alien invasion films, it doesn't do anything crazy new, but it's still really cool. Um, and, uh, so we're carrying on with more alien films for the rest of the month. I'm very excited. We're bouncing yeah. all over the world. So as we mentioned last week, uh, our next film is actually a movie called attraction, um, which is going, uh, that's taken us to Russia. Um, uh, and this surprisingly, this is another sort of love film. Uh, you would have never guessed by the name. Um, but, uh, (laughs) there's, and once more, there are some, uh, ties to destiny, the game, uh, weirdly enough, we'll talk about that too. Um, and there is a sequel to this movie. I I have watched the sequel. I have watched this movie before. I'm going to rewatch it again. And I have watched the sequel. So we're going to talk about that too. Um, but it's, I I think it's interesting anyways. And then after that, we go to Turkey. We have another, we have a Turkish movie in Gora, which is also back on Netflix, but our next film is over on, uh, 2B TV. Uh, so there it is, everybody. Thanks a lot. Hey, if you have not subscribed, please make sure to do so hit that follow button. And if you are so inclined leave a rating and review, if your, uh, podcast player of choice, uh, has that option, um, do it. it takes only a couple seconds and is immensely helpful for podcasts like us. Um, or of course, you know, if it doesn't, uh, make sure to share with 100,000 of your closest friends. Please. It's, it's, at least you can I mean, do. at bare minute. So thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.